Emerald Sky at night, Shepherd's Delight. You wanted a cup set, you got one, boys and girls. Emerald FC knocking off NBL side, Balcatta. We had a whole lot of other exciting football action over the last fortnight, including a seven-goal thriller between Red Star and Sterling. We'll talk about all that and more on the Perth Football Podcast. And welcome, one and all, back for another episode, episode six of the Perth Football Podcast. It's going to be another smashing one today for no reason other than, or for no reason more so than the fact that we have got victorious Emerald FC club president Damien Stack in the studio. Damien, thanks for joining us. Cheers, thanks for having me. We have also got... Josh, that's right. Yes, Josh. That is my name. Josh it's been Stratt. my name in the first few podcasts as well, <laughs> yeah. so you've done well, Sean. Take me a second. And Alex Novats is to my left. Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in again, Alex. Mate, great to be here. Uh, without further ado, we're going to dive straight in. We have the biggest cup set, uh, what you guys are saying, of the last five years. Uh, Emerald FC uh, knocking off, what was the final score? You guys were all there. 2-1. 2-1, Balcata. Kalichi does have it in front of me. I just don't like reading. Um, so... Damien, I'm just going to throw it over to you. Tell us about, before you get into all the, the build-up and, and where to from here, tell us about the game. Uh, unbelievable, really, to be honest. It was, we gave ourselves a chance anyway. Like at the start, we just knew, just do what we do every game and, and go out there and there's a good chance we get a, get a result. And we did. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. And how does the build-up to that match differ from uh, your week-to-week? Obviously, there's going to be the players are going to be a lot more excited because they yeah. know they're coming up against an NPL side. Um, but for you, in terms of what you do on the training pitch and what, what you, how you um, it was, I was more m- mostly the same, to be honest. It was just another team. We, we knew we could get a result against them. And just like any other week, we, we just do the same. Just go out there and we, we know we can get a result. Um. Yeah, it was a little bit different, I suppose, guys talking about an NPL side, Balcada, you know, semi-pro and all this. And But we just, like I said, we just do what we do every week, take game by game, and we knew we could get results. So. Now, everyone was everyone in this booth, uh, aside from myself, was down at that game. Uh, what was it like as a spectator, Josh? It was so exciting to watch because you could kind of feel, after the first few minutes, as it was clear that it was going to be a pretty even contest, you could feel that groundswell come up that, you know, a, a cup set was on the he- on the cards. Um, incredible stat. Only the third time, uh, as as far as people who keep these things are telling us, that a, an amateur team has knocked off a team in the top tier. So uh, the last time before 2017 was like 1985. So it's a pretty rare achievement. But it was a very even game, the way that it was played. Balcata, obviously, a little bit more technical. Didn't really create many chances. Um Emerald FC, very muscular team, uh, ran the length and breadth of that pitch, which isn't very big, we should say. Fraser Park might be the smallest pitch in uh, in the whole pyramid. Uh, and, and it's pretty incredible how you've tailored a perfect game style, I think, to your surroundings out there, Damien. Yeah, it's, it's we've been playing there now about oh, it's four, four or five years now since, the, since we went to Fraser Park. But just used to the ground now, used to the pitch. It is a little bobbly in places, I suppose. Suits us, <laughs> suits us amateurs. Um, but yeah, we're used to the playing there. It's 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 a nice ground for us. Hopefully, now our next next round will be home game too, home tie too. Look forward to that. And uh, from an officiating perspective, you said you were down there, Nova. Any uh, any calls that you you regret? Any shockers? Ne- never regret um, because it's too late. But there was some good banter with uh, one or two of the Balcata uh, players. But um, yeah, it is a small pitch which suited my my capabilities. Uh, didn't have to cover too much ground, um, but it, it was it was it was incredible. And even at half time, we were having a chat. The, the referees, uh, well, the ref and the two assistants, two of us, we were we we, we knew it was going to stay that Emerald were going to win. And there was as bad as it sounds, but we just couldn't see how how Balcata could come back because uh, it, I mean I hate using the analogy, but it was old school versus you know the new new style of football where where Emerald just didn't allow them to play. It, it just was tight. Kept them, kept them closed, and, and, and it was really, it was actually one of the best games that I've been able to officiate in. And something that uh, might go, if you just see the scoreline, you might not realise it, but Emerald were up in the first half. They scored from a long throw. Uh, Balcata equalised. Oh, you're kidding me. I uh, love it. Yeah. Why didn't anyone perfect. tell me this? Yeah, it was like, it was like <laughs> Stoke City, like Stoke City oh. in their prime. But uh, 
But Balcata scored probably halfway through the uh, the second half, and then you were kind of oh, okay. The Emerald Boys they might run out of legs, and then it was a, a terrific counter attack where a few Balcata players were out of position. Each player sort of got pulled over to the left, and, and eventually uh, your striker Andrew Wood got left unmarked. Uh, around the penalty spot and he finished with a plom. So yep. just when it looked like Balcata were in a position to run over the top of the amateur side with their fitness, uh, Emerald responded. It was a really brilliant performance. And that was something that stood out. I think uh, there didn't look like there was a big fitness gap between the teams, Damien. No, um, we've been training. So we started a bit earlier this year because of the night series. So get going that early. Um, fitness guy down doing some run with us and get, get it kind of all over early in season. So... But we've been playing a lot of matches against each other, trainings, last 45 minutes of a training session, play a game, good intense game, Rezzy's first team. And uh, yeah, that's where we're picking up our fitness, really. M just more games, 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 games. and So So th this club, Emerald FC, you guys have been around almost 10 years now, 2013 yep. you were yep. founded, and you, you were a part of the founding of the club? Yeah, m um, mainly Tommy, Tommy Murphy, myself, uh, a few other guys, Jerry Inler, Tommy, M uh, Mark, uh, a few guys like that just since day one. Yeah, we were a hubbly good cleach over there. Yeah. So well, that that must make a, a day like the weekend just so much more special for you and, and the guys. Just, eh? uh, I can't, you can't describe it. It's unbelievable. I'll like, try. Like, <laughs> uh, met, met, you get messages from everybody. It's guys you haven't heard from since, literally since day one that left after 2013, just around for a year playing football. And um, just everybody, like literally hundreds of messages coming through from everyone, from everywhere. Guys you don't know, like from the other sides of Australia, back home, Ireland, England, just lads messaging, just saying congrats, massive upset. So, yeah, unbelievable, really is. Really yeah, is. that is incredible. And and looking forward now, uh, Kalicha just popped up a message. He wants to he wants to talk about Woody. Yes. Uh, you need to do that because I don't know anything about him. Tell us about Woody. Um, Woody's... Woody's playing well since 2015, I believe, Division 5. Uh, still, in the, still in a young guy, really, to be honest. He's he's Mr. Reliable, calm, great feet, just just reliable. You can rely on, rely on him any time. Like he's, he, he's a striker, he's number nine. So he was the scorer of the, the winner yeah. on, on the weekend. Incredible. Both goals. All right, awesome. And is is there anyone that you you fancy in the next round? Do you want another MPL? Uh, yeah, another MPL side would be good. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, a home advantage would be nice. Another home game would be good. I'll send Cleach before we started. Maybe might get a big MPL side. You never know. So yeah, pretty much anyone we're happy. We're we're, we're happy whoever we get. But yeah. a home draw would be nice. Josh. Now, obviously, all the focus is on how sensational this result is for Emerald, and, and it's uh, great for you as well going into a. The, the Irish derby, so to speak, a bit against uh, against East Perth on, yeah, on Wednesday night. Yep. Um, but something we probably do need to touch on, possibly you know the worst possible outcome for Balcatta. Um, three losses, three straight losses in the NPL. Probably hoping to put three, four, five goals past an amateur team and get the season back on track. And uh, they they came a cropper on the on the uh, they they slipped on the banana skin there. Yeah, no, they are really. If any team was going to slip on the banana skin, it was it was going to be them. They are severely out of form. Uh, I'm being told here, 14 goals against in the league, no goals scored, coming off a six nil loss. Uh, it's it's not the form you want to go into playing an amateur side, and and obviously you guys just smelled blood down it. <laughs> yeah. I think I did hear a couple of the Emerald players towards the end a bit upset because um, they're the only team Falcon have scored against, so um, they weren't yeah. too happy yeah. about that. <laughs> Not, oh, not, 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 not that we want to, not that we want to pile on a team, but uh, they've got some pretty big games coming up, pretty tough games, and um, you know, Balcata could find themselves in a pretty tough position uh, with with their games coming up in the NPL. But you know, hopefully they do, and we've got a, a battle uh, at the bottom of the table because there are a few teams that that need to pick up a few points over the next few weeks as well. Well, before we move on uh, into part two and beyond and get to a bit of European football action, which I cannot wait for um, with uh, the recent Merseyside derby. Uh, but to wrap it up, there were a couple of other or a few other MPL teams in action that they all pretty much did the job. I think the only other team that lost was Floriot to Sterling. Um, that was a bit of a nail biter there. And uh, Bayswater, 6-0 winners over Wanneroo City. Uh, as I said, Sterling 3-2 over Floriot. Perth, absolutely no chill against Rockingham City, 7-0. Uh, and I think uh, Gwellup even, yep, managing to, to put in a good performance. 2-0 down at Swan. 
And in terms of the uh, MPL teams, the only other one remaining was Sorrento getting up against uh, Perth Red Star. A shout out to friend of the pod also, Louis Carlish was a man of the match in Joondalup City's uh, unfortunate 2-0 loss to the one remaining MPL team, Inglewood United. Uh, there's a whole bunch of fixtures there. Um, I can't be bothered reading them all out. It's going to be tedious for me and tedious for you guys listening. Uh, any th- others that, that struck your uh, eye, Josh? What? Uh, so, I mean, just, just to make a point about that Perth Rockingham result, 7-0 for Perth, and they've been a team that's been desperate for goals. So that'll be a, a real confidence booster for them, uh, banging a few in there. I was down at the Balga v Balladura game over, uh, at, uh, over at Balga uh, on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately for the Jura, as they like to call themselves, and Michael Hoy, the designer of our, uh, our Perth Football Podcast logo, they were unable to pull out the, the cup set that Damien and the Emerald boys did uh, against Balcata the other day. They went down 2-0 and uh, Balga were, were good money for for that result as well. Um, so we do have an interview with Liam Kessel uh, on the Facebook page, uh, the Balga captain, and they're looking to turn from, uh, from the un, uh, from, from the hunted to being the underdog, hopefully, against a big club in the next round. I think, yeah, the other one would be to, to look at would be uh, Armadale 7-3 against Gosnells. I mean, Armadale now scored 13 goals in, in two matches, so they're, they're looking uh, deadly up front. I know it was Gosnells, but they, they you know, being a, a local derby, so to speak, um, is a good result. Yeah, very hard to, to pick the form of a few of these uh, MPL sides. We're going to get into that probably at the start of part three. I think we'll do a quick uh, recap with the MPLs. That obviously we had last week. Uh, we didn't record, and then this week was a bit split up with the Australia Cup. Uh, but, I mean, last week we had that incredible uh, Perth Red Star. It was at 3-2, Sterling, 4-3. Uh, uh, yeah, four, we'll, three. We'll, we'll get all that in the in the break. That, so that was an incredible um, performance. And then we also had uh, Coburn turning over Floriot. Now I was at that game, 3-0. Uh, because which Yeah, no one, no one saw coming. Um, we will get to all of that. Um, before we move on, part two, we've got Libby Caldwell the Libby Caldwell, I should say, the refereeing extraordinaire and hopefully a future contributor on the pod uh, popping in. Kalich is going to take over the reins for that. Um, uh, before we get to that, before we move on, last word on this, uh, East Perth versus Emerald, Irish Derby, Wednesday night. Yes. Uh, league favourites in the amateurs? No, no, we're not league favourites, I don't think. Maddington would have been league favourites. Well, you, beat, you beat Maddington. What are you talking about? This is yeah, what Khalid yeah. did. Him dirty. Me. He said Maddington yeah, yeah. played. Uh, yeah, the the league favourites, and you beat them. So doesn't the, doesn't the mantle hand on? Is that not? Yeah, how it works? maybe, maybe, maybe. But um, East Perth are quality quality side. Like it's it's going to be tough. It always is. It, there's never an easy game with them guys. It's uh, it's going to be really, really, really hard. Yeah. Can you give us the details for that? Because uh, I reckon it'd be great to have a big crowd down for uh, a big yeah. amateur game. Wednesday night, the Razies kick off 6 p.m. in Inglewood, and then the first team 7:45. Brilliant. Well, if you are not doing anything Wednesday night, that is the game of local football to be going down to East Perth versus Emerald Football Club. Is that what we call it? Emerald yep. FC? That's Emerald the one. FC, yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, we should get down to that, shouldn't we? Yeah. If you're not busy, Josh. Alex, oh, hopefully. Well, yeah, well, uh, ho- we will hopefully see you there, Damien. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio uh, tonight. for giving up your time, and congratulations Cheers. again on the big result. And, Thank yeah, you. good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. All right, we will be back after this with part two and Libby Caldwell. And welcome back to the Perth Football Podcast. It's Calicho's son. We're subbing in for Sean Fry. We are joined once again by Tommy Dolman. Hey, Kel. G'day, mate. How are you? You well? All good, thank you. The person to your immediate front, I suppose, is uh, Libby Caldwell, our special guest for today, referee extraordinaire and all-round good person who we hopefully will find back on the podcast more often. Cool. Thank you for having me. Sounds good. (laughs) And next to you is, of course, Josh Chai. Josh, how are you doing? I am doing sensationally and uh, great to see uh, Sean Fry benched after that performance in part one. Shocking first half performance, Awful. mate. We had, to, we had to rotate. Awful. There. Coach was screaming from the touchlines. But the best thing about us is we're going to give him a chance later on as well. So uh, hopefully we know we build his confidence, get him back up and get him back into the team for maybe part three if, if his confidence is back up. But we wanted to get Libby here because Libby's a, a, a 
referee, but also a former player. Libby, tell us, how did you um, how did you get involved in refereeing? Um, well, first of all, I think former players may be a little bit generous considering I played girls Div 3 under 14s for a few years. Um, but you played though, right? Yeah, I played for six or seven years. Oh, sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I, I went into refereeing from um, playing and Football West offered a free female-only course, so I hopped onto that and uh, played for a year while I was refereeing for my first year and then decided to just go into refereeing. Cool, and you've been enjoying it? Yeah, I love it. I think it's just an interesting kind of atmosphere, an interesting way to look at the game. So a as a referee, are you a um, quote-unquote megalomaniac or you, you like to talk to the players? Like, what's your refereeing style? Yeah, it changes a bit, but I do like to talk to the players, but I am a bit wary that players don't always want to hear what the referee has to say. Like, sometimes they just want you to get on with the game. So I try not to talk too much. Um, but some players might disagree with that. I think a lot of people out there probably don't realise the amount of learning that referees have to do in terms of understanding all the laws and, and regulations and, and things that are involved. Glad in you that. said laws there. And you're uh, and you're obviously still quite young as well. So yeah. it's a it's a massive body of work that you've had to learn. Can you tell us sort of how much time you've had to put into refereeing and educating yourself on the laws of the game? Yeah. So well, yeah, you're completely correct because sometimes I'm on the line and I hear the benches behind me like talking about all these different rules and asking each other what they think. And I think, why aren't you just asking me? Like I've, I've studied this kind of thing. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm doing my theory work for my level two right now. So for those that don't know, you start at level four. I've done my level three course a year and a bit ago, and now I'm doing my level two. So with each of those, you do testing, uh, whether that's physical and theory, and then you just keep moving up. What does what the level two clear you to, to referee? What's the highest level that you'd be able to referee once you get that accreditation? So that would be state league men's first team and women's NPL first team. Oh, that's fantastic. And is that something that you're looking to continue on with in terms of the refereeing going forward? Is that something that you can sort of envisage yourself doing for the next five, 10, 20 years? What, what sort of? Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, as far as I know, like as long as I don't get injured or um, anything like awful happens. Oh, it's pretty strenuous being a referee. Yeah, you don't want to pull a hamstring. Don't want to. Yeah, don't want to do anything too crazy. No, there, but it should be fine. There are some pretty serious fitness requirements though for the referees, aren't there? What What do you need to? What, what's your your fitness clearance that you need to make if you're going to referee at the highest level or, or the level that you want to? So it's a bit of a weird one. So it's a FIFA run fitness test, and it's around an athletics track, and you basically get. Um, 15 seconds to do a 75 meter sprint and then 20 seconds to do a 25 meter walk and you just do that over and over and over again so for the top level you need to achieve 10 laps of that and then state league is eight laps and then it just keeps going down from that and you also do uh 40 meter sprints as well as part of the test that's yeah. a lot of cardio yeah i'm not good at it at all like I'm not the person you should be asking about it because I can't do it at all. I can do the endurance stuff, but I can't do the sprints. We got to ask Nova how many how many laps he. Oh, yeah. oh he'll be nailing it. He he won't be. He won't oh, be I think you're giving Nova way too <laughs> much. You're giving credit. Nova a lot of credit. When, when was Nova's prime? Uh, we'll let him answer that when he comes I in. I think I think he's still in it, according to Nova, though. I I want to say he he was a really good referee when we were at Backpackers, and that would have been 2013. He looked in amazing shape. Mate, he referred to himself as elite back in the break room, but we, we do need to remember. I think I think people overlook. Uh, uh, I think people overlook Nova's playing credentials a bit as well. He did play at a pretty high level, also. No, Nova is absolutely legit. But speaking of playing levels, you actually, Libby, were at the Fremantle Redbacks game. Yeah, well, I watched it online. I say Redbacks, but it was actually Red the, the Perth Red Star I game. Doing that as well. Tell us, um, what did, what did you think of that match? It was a, not last week, but the week before. Oh yeah, the Freo one. Yeah. Um. Well, obviously, Freo went down to 10 players within about 20, 25 minutes, I think it was, Tommy, yeah. Um, and then they actually managed to hold on and keep it up uh, one all for about uh, half an hour after that. I think it was just 10 minutes into the second half. They conceded, and I honestly think it's a really impressive performance from Freo because um, Red Star will be the ones to beat, obviously, this season. Um, and managing to only lose 3-2 to them with 10 players for most of the match is really impressive. Yeah, we were all there, weren't we, I think, um, for, for that game. And, um, yeah, the we'll, we'll touch on Red Star um, sort of going forward, um, obviously, with the weekend's result that they've just had as well. But they're in imperious form at the moment. And um, that was probably their first real test last week against Fremantle City, a team who had also started the season pretty well with two wins from two. 
Um, but yeah, they as as Libby said before, they did really well to fight hard in that game. But just the the strength in depth and the attacking weapons that Red Star had just were too much for them in the end. Yeah, I felt a lot for Dale Schroeder in goals because she pulled off three or four absolutely sensational saves, and eventually the dam wall broke. I think the red card, you've got to say, I mean, it'd be interesting to see because I think they play each other twice again before the end of the season. Mm. Um, if Frio can keep all of their players on the pitch, I know we saw an injury as well to Tash Rigby over the weekend, but that red card to Siobhan Longmore had a big impact on the outcome of that game. Um, not only going down to 10 players, but also uh, her sort of long ball. Uh, she, she's a fantastic striker of the ball. Her long ball created the first goal for Jessica uh, Delmargo. Um, and not having that outlet, having to play through a very solid um, Red Star team, not being able to have that ball that can unlock them in one kick uh, probably had a big impact on, on their ability to go forward as well. It was really interesting that game when they were down to 10 players. Um, they, when they started off with a back three and started with a back three for quite a while and they ended up going to a back four, but when they had a back three, Rigby was still bombing up and down it the line like an absolute... It was just it was awesome to watch. And then when they did go back to a back four, that's when they got that second goal and she ended up getting that crossing in. But it was just so many chances where I kind of thought, look, maybe you could have gone with the back four, just stabilise and stabilise and stabilise and then maybe chased it there. But yeah, it was, it was just interesting from, from, from my point of view, having a look at that. I mean, they were being really positive. So, you know, they were treating it like it was 1-1, not like, you know, you're down to 10 players and, um, you know, the argument will go, you know, how aggressive should you be how much do you have to change your tactics once you do lose a player it obviously changes the game uh, changes the complexion of the game it changes the way that it's played when you do have players like Rigby and, and Gail who do play at that high level they're both um, A-League women's players with glory and you know they're probably a little bit fitter than some of the other players in the competition they can run those extra meters or extra miles for you um, but uh, you know, I, I think the other player who was really solid in that game uh, was Laura Waltman at the back for um, Fremantle City. She reads the play really well. She's obviously a former gold medal winner, probably doesn't have the uh, the status or, or the reputation of some of the other players in the competition. But for a player who's undersized, she does fantastically well at the back. And she was one of the ones, along with Schroeder, who was really unlucky to concede, having put in a really solid performance up to that point. And getting up and down the field as well. She doesn't just defend. She's so composed on the ball. She can beat a player or two and then put a killer pass. She's a joy to watch. Mm. She was really good yesterday, actually, um, in the goalless draw with with Perth. So that, that, that was obviously the game that happened yesterday, which I didn't. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a tough watch. It was I should add it, it was really hot conditions down at... Um, down at Hilton Reserve, some was sort of baking down and, and beaming down as we would have seen on the live stream. But um, yeah, it was a game where that final third quality was just lacking from both teams. They were they were keen to obviously keep the ball as much as possible. Um, the passing um, was was reasonable um, in, in the areas, sort of, but in the in the sort of back two thirds. But the final third, it just didn't really sort of cut it. I thought Waltman was outstanding in that game yesterday, though she was just in everything. She was sliding into every challenge. She was getting back and winning second balls, and she was carrying the ball out of defence as well, which sort of alludes to what you were saying before as well, Kel, how she does like to drive forward with it and try and put her team on the front foot. She's had, um, I think she's had some trials before with Glory. Uh, I, I guess we could get in touch with Freo to confirm that. But, um, you know, she's a player that I'd like to see. She, she is, uh, I think she's in her mid-20s or something now, but um, she's sort of definitely a player that, You'd like to see the local players progress through the Glory Women set up, and she's definitely a player who'd like to see potentially get given another opportunity to see if she can crack it at that level. You watched that game as well yesterday, Libby. What were your sort of I thoughts didn't watch on that? The oh, one. I watched the Red Star. Um, Perfect transition. What was the Red Star game like well, then yesterday? It's nine nil. Like, what more can you say? But there was goals everywhere, halfway line goal basically, which will be, I imagine, goal of the season kind of contender. Um, but, yeah, you can't fault Red Star, and it's the energy that they'll be bringing forward to the future games that may be a bit trickier will just be something that their opponents don't have. You obviously get a, a, a up-close and personal look at that team, so from your perspective, what, what do you see as the big difference for them? I'm sure it's the infrastructure and it's the history and the fact that they can generate these players, but you're seeing it all the time, so what, what things kind of stand out for you? I think, for me, the defence is, like, top-notch. Um, Kim Carroll obviously has so much experience with Matildas and with Glory and she's just so consistent. You can't get a ball past her. It's so tricky. Um, like you anticipate her defending um, 
and stopping the ball more than you anticipate it going past her. Um, probably one of the best players in the league last season, I'd say. One of the um, one of the things. So, so it goes without saying. Obviously, Red Star have this awesome blend of experience and youth, and it all just sort of meshes in together really well. Um, but the the younger players have really stepped up, and they were kind of not necessarily thrown in, but there was a couple of games where Andrea Teixeira, Ruby Cohen. And a couple of others were sort of thrown in to cover injuries at various times of last season and even possibly the season before in 2020 in the COVID year. Um, but you're sort of starting to see now that the game time that those players have had in those seasons previously is now starting to come to the fore and they can just play uh, in that team. Tech Shera Cohen, Olivia Wood as well as a player who's really been a standout for me this season also. Um, you're just sort of seeing them improving all the time and yeah, it, it, four from four now to start the season. Um, as I said before, they're just in such imperious form. And this weekend, they're playing against Perth Soccer Club. And um, obviously, Perth and Fremantle City trailed them by five points in the standings at the moment. But, um, geez, if Red Star were to go out and win that game against the Azuri next week, it's going to be a very hard task for the teams behind them to chase that gap. Perfect time for an upset, I reckon. Like. Keep keep that competition, uh, you know, as as exciting and as as interesting it can be. And not that you know, not that you can't chase down a, uh, a, a, a big point gap. Eight point. There's still a lot of the season to go. But uh, if Perth were to, you know, I think they've they've threatened at times this season to show how good they can be. Obviously, they've got Peter Rakic in, a former championship winner, as the coach, um, and they do have plenty of players from the old NTC, and they've got plenty of strong players. Uh, through the lineup as well. So this would be a great opportunity, I think, for Perth to really stamp their credentials as an NPL women's force. And, and Perth were missing a couple of players yesterday as well, as were, as were Fremantle City, as we touched on before, but they were missing um, Jamie Duncanson and, and Zoe Spadano. So um, they'll get those players back into the team and, and hopefully they'll um, maybe be able to just have a little bit more, more control. It should be said they probably had the better chances in the game yesterday. But, um, yeah, obviously, as, as Josh alluded to before, um, I think there's four NTC players from last season um, in total in that team. Um, Pete Rackage, obviously, his credentials speak for himself in terms of what he's done in the league previously. But um, there's still a bit, of a, a bit of work to do trying to find that perfect formula. We're just about to wrap it up for part two. But I wanted to ask, Libby, you're also part of the refereeing team that did the night series final, the, the historic team of, of an all-women on-field um, officiating. Talk to us about that. That must have been an awesome feeling and, and something to be part of as well. Yeah, well, obviously finals are always like that. Like there's obviously a bit more nerves. There's a bit more excitement. The atmosphere is great. I always try and get down before and then watch the game before and it just kind of builds. Um, yeah, the game the game was great. It went off without a hitch from my point of view. Um, the Redbacks or Red Star fans behind me were going a bit crazy at me sometimes, but that's fine. That's ex to be expected. And do you have any mentors as, as well, Libby? Are there, are there anybody, is there anybody who's particularly helped you in your journey or any, any sort of um, officials that you look up to? Yeah, so I'm really lucky with the academy because um, they set you up with a mentor. So my mentor is Arvin, who you guys might know from the NPL Men's, and he also Good is... Good dude. Yeah, he's awesome. And he's an assistant referee on, on the Glory Games as well a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, I, he's my mentor. Um, but there's so many um, refs who I can talk to, at, whether it's at training or message them or whatever. They're always open to sharing knowledge. Look, and just before we wrap up, for anyone else who's out there looking to get involved in refereeing, where can we where can we get them to go to? What kind of information can we get them to do? Would you encourage them? Yeah, so there's a lot of courses running over the next few weeks in May, I think, uh, on the Football West website. Type in Football West, become a referee. It's all on there. Great time to do it. Yeah, we need lots of referees in the local competition. So if you are complaining about the quality of the referees at all, maybe it's a good opportunity. Michael Hoy. <laughs> maybe it's a good opportunity to put your hand up and do a couple games in your local community. Awesome. That is it for part one. We'll be back. Sorry, part two. Oh, I might get subbed off with that mistake. That is it for part two. We'll be back with part three in a second. And welcome back to part three. A uh, cracking first two parts, if I don't mind saying so myself. Part three, another little shuffle around in the studio. Rejoining uh, from their uh, part two exploits, we've got Libby. Yep. Tommy. Hello. And uh, we've got myself and Alex again. Hello. All right. So uh, Damien's out of here. He's off to uh, continue celebrating that big Australia Cup win 
from Emerald Football Club. We're going to quickly brush over the men's NPL. Obviously, no games this week, but uh, a few big results last week that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and then we're going to dive into the European football, uh, which is what I really, really want to talk about, uh, Liverpool-Everton uh, mainly. But we'll start with uh, coburn Floriot 3-0. Tommy, you saw this one coming? No. Did anybody? <laughs> no, I don't I... think so. Um had a little naughty boy incident as well in that one. Bailey Brown Montgomery, you saw this one. Alex, second yellow card seemed a little harsh to me. I, I don't know. I think it's a pretty easy one. It's an easy one to, to do. But, um, yeah, I think if you watch the game thoroughly, he was given a, a quiet warning prior to, to his second. Um, so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm comfortable. Yeah. One, one you, you talked about downgrading last time we were talking yeah, about this. Yeah, yeah. One you could maybe, you could... Call him over. It'll all depend. I mean, if you've already if you've already used up that that opportunity, and uh, yeah, again, it's it's one of those things. And Bailey's, uh, yeah, it, it, an interesting character on on the park, and and sometimes enough's enough as well. All right, so he's a bit of a pain in the ass. I'll Should. extrapolate from that. And um, yeah, if you didn't see it, it was basically one where he'd already picked up a yellow. Uh, the player had sort of turned him one way and then gone the other, and he sort of stuck his leg out backwards to try and make the tackle. Hasn't got there. Yeah, the refereeing union sticking with their referee on that one. I thought it was harsh on the day, but as you say, if he's been uh, a bit needly and been carrying on a bit, yeah, then uh, fair enough, Tommy. Should be said that that red card had absolutely no bearing on the game whatsoever because Coburn were by far the better team. They came out with a much greater intensity than Florida did in that game, and they were just the much better team over 90 minutes and and thoroughly deserved the win even before the red card. And, um, yeah, we, we spoke about oh, a few weeks ago now, we spoke about that late comeback um, that Coburn had at Inglewood, didn't we? That two goals in the last 92nd and 94th minute. And it's amazing what a late comeback like that can do belief-wise for the rest of the group. Yeah, it certainly seems to have given them a bit of momentum. I spoke with uh, Jesse Lazaro again afterwards. The, the wind was uh, blowing a howler down there, so the recording was no good to use. But he was actually saying, oh, it's, it's a bit of a shame that they went down to 10 because people will look at that and think, oh, 3-0 against 10 men. But no, first half, they were already 1-0 up when it happened. And, yeah, Floria were just really struggling, really um, just just didn't look like a team that, that knew each other. And it's it's just the worry with them. And I've been saying all year I think they're favourites for the league. But when results start to not go their way and they have a bad result or two, it, it has been a thing of theirs for the last couple of seasons particularly uh, where they really struggle to turn around a bad run of, of games. Yeah, I think, and again, just with Coburn and Floriat, I think in 2020, towards the end of the season, I think Coburn uh, also uh, defeated or, or defeated Floriat, which cost them the title as well. Mm. So it's not the yep. first time Coburn, and, and Coburn seems to be a bit slippery for Floriat as well. It's, they just seem to match up okay against them. Um, yeah, so. Jesse did say it's always nice to beat those uh, gentlemen. Um, that's uh, not, after the, I don't think Jesse knows that word. Might not have been the language he used, but no, he was uh, he was delighted. Um, the other game we mentioned in part one uh, that we'll have some delighted Macedonians, Sterling Macedonia coming back from a first half Daryl Nickel hat trick, which producer Kalichi was extremely excited about, and boy, Red Star would have been in the changing rooms just over the moon at four three or at three nil up. No idea that a 56th minute, 69th minute, 73rd minute, and 89th minute Sterling goals were going to turn this around 4-3. Does does anyone want to yeah. say that that really um, throws down their title credentials? I, I don't think it throws it down. Uh, it, it, there's, there's doubts, and I think there's certain positions there. I mean, I, I watched the game, um, and, and it, just the goalkeeper, a lot I think it is, uh, the, in the... Uh, in the 89th minute, he's come out to, to punch the ball and missed everything, and that's where they've, they've taken the winner. So, um, I mean, they've got a lot of experienced players, Red Star, but again, they've also got a lot of in, inexperienced players as well, um, learning their trade and in, in important positions too. So, uh, yeah, I, I still think they're going to be a top four side. Uh, where they finish will be interesting. Um, but Sterling, again, you know, to, to be 3-0 down and come back 4-3, to have the belief in yourself to do that. And, and with the manager, uh, with, with Fergie, um, I, I think anything is possible, the, the way he talks to his players and the way he goes about the game as well. And in the same sense that I, I mentioned uh, Florid having a hard time turning around bad results, Sterling have done it straight away. They had a really bad result last week against um, uh, Glory. I think 3-0 they lost that one. And then to be 3-0 down in the first half against one of the other title favourites, you yeah, you think like, okay, this is this is not looking good. And they've turned it around. So that massive Fergie, as you mentioned, a big part of that. 
yeah, just just incredible. And and I was I guess I phrased the question wrong. I wasn't really so much wanting to talk down Red Star, but say, does this one really say to you, Tommy, that Sterling are there to be messed with in the the title race? I think a win like that definitely sends a bit of a statement out. I think it you know that you're going to come across a, a Sterling Macedonia team, and it's not going to be an easy game. Um, they're a team that have imp- uh, impressed a lot um, coming up from State League Division One last season. They've got plenty of firepower in that team. Um, Michael Domfe's been been absent re- recently, but Calvin Whitney started the season quite well. Alex Tanevsky's um, stepped up and looked very comfortable at this level as well. Um, he's obviously a former Glory Academy sort of player, so he's um, he, he's got plenty of talent. Um, the thing that we sort of touched on a little bit earlier when we saw the Armadale Sterling game, Sean, was um, whether that defensive partnership of Yankolowski and, and Palmateer was going to come together quickly enough for them to be able to keep clean sheets because Bosdet's been a pretty good goalkeeper. He's, he's a really good shot stopper. Um, but yeah, if... They've probably got a little bit of work to do um, tidying up at the back defensively, obviously having conceded the three goals. But, um, but yeah, I think they can take a lot of confidence and a lot of heart from the way they've started the season. And they're, with, without a doubt, a real good chance of a finals push. Yeah, so we'll uh, just pull up the table there. It does leave us with Floriot still on top uh, with three wins out of four. Uh, June Love having played a game more. Sterling, uh, nine points. All three of those teams on nine points. June Love with uh, the extra game. And Sorrento rounding out the top four uh, on goal difference ahead of Bayswater. Balcada pulling up the uh, bottom of the table. I can't see anyone <laughs> taking that uh, 12th spot off of them unless things really, really turn around. Uh, that'll do, I think, for Perth football. Uh, let's turn our attention to the world game. Uh, Libby. Yep. First time in the studio. Yep. I don't know if she's mentioned it yet. Who's your uh, world football team? Unfortunately, it's uh, Manchester United, which isn't going well at the moment. Have you got a, a, a sad, sad noise uh, button? No, don't worry. There isn't one. <laughs> yeah, that is okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, just another person I get to lord it over, I guess. So I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy. Uh, we'll let you say a few words about your side. Another disappointing performance again on the weekend, uh, losing to Arsenal and... Another, you know, a missed penalty and just what's going on. Yeah, unfortunately, Arsenal, like, obviously, it's a bad one to lose against, um, obviously, the history and the fact that it's a top four spot, which seems definitely out of reach now for us. Um, yeah, uh, we've got, we've got, I think, Brentford and Brighton coming up, so we should be able to get six points off of that, but I really don't have much hope. Yeah, I, w- I definitely wouldn't be riding anyone off a four spot and purely for the sake of it doesn't seem like anyone wants it. No, uh, well, It looked like it was Spurs for all money last week and then they go and lose and Arsenal win two in a row after losing three in a row. I, I can't figure it out. The interesting thing about fourth spot, like pretty much every year, is that it's always going to be up and down because if, if a team was good enough to get it, they'd be in the top three, if you get what I mean. So mm. the fourth spot is always an interesting one. I, th- I think especially this year with uh, the, the big gap between City, Liverpool and then the rest, but then Chelsea sort of halfway there between them and everyone else. So they've really clinched that third spot really early on. And now fourth is just, yeah. oh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's wild. Um, Tommy, you're back in. Uh, Leeds fan, we've been, well, well let's get on to Everton. Uh, did anyone watch the, because uh, th- this ties into the relegation battle, which hopefully you guys are out of. Did anyone watch the Merseyside derby? I didn't, so... Just, just me? I'll, okay. I'll leave it to you to lord over, Sean. This is your well, time in the spotlight. To be, I would love to, but aside from the fact that there was almost no football, people people wanted to jump, and I'm one of them. I am perfectly happy to jump on Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone and say they're a disgrace to football, and, and I'm glad I don't watch them every week. Um, and that's how I feel. And But the difference in treatment between when Atletico Madrid did it against Manchester City, it was pages and pages of how horrible this is and they should be ashamed of themselves. I'll tell you what, if if Everton were any better than Atletico Madrid, it wasn't by much. There was... Richarlison was rolling around. He he headed a ball away at the near post at one point, ran 15 metres and then fell down and wanted us to kick the ball out. I've never seen anything. And as a grown... Adults, a grown man, well, I like to think I'm a grown man now, but I have sort of got over the point of hating um, players from other teams. You know, it's, it's not something that I want to do. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I re- really build up some sort of rage for opposition players. And I've, I've really moved away from that. I can, I can get on board with Pogba. I can get on board with 
you know, uh, you know, Juan Mata I'm very fond of, even though he's played for all the teams that I despise. But, gee, Richarlison makes it hard to not hate him. I, I'm struggling. I was watching that game last night. And it's the closest I've come in in many years to throwing a remote control at the TV. Uh, they also had um, their young, uh, young Gordon uh, booked for diving, possibly went down, could have had a penalty. Uh, I think he deserves it. Let's ask the let's ask the well, this two is, referees what they. Yeah, think. well, this is what I was going to get onto. So uh, he was a little a bit of a divey diver. Then could have got a penalty, uh, didn't get it. Liverpool went on to win two 0 For those of you that haven't uh, seen what happened, now this is something I've talked about a lot with Kalichi. Not so much just with diving, but with uh, play acting with. Players, you know, th- there's there's guys that, and I mean, Rich Allison, again, there was one uh, incident where he got a, a little fend off and got a hand on the face and obviously goes down, holding his head, rolling around, referee has to stop the game, as he's obliged to. But what what else would you guys, he's got the two referees in here, what would you guys like to see done? And I'd imagine it would have to be some sort of change of the rules or, or your powers being modified in some way uh but what change would you like to see or suggestions you might have about how to deal with this because because for me that the the rampancy of not not so much just the diving and trying to win free kicks for me it's a rolling around when you're not injured it's a holding your knee when you know they're not hurt any ideas it's almost it's almost now time wasting um and that, that's what we're talking about now um and i think and i'll, I'll bring it back to the game yesterday balcata versus uh sorry emerald versus balcata where a player did get injured, um, well, allegedly, was off the pitch and then all of a sudden had rolled back onto the field of play. Um, so luckily with myself and, and the, the referee, I did notify him saying he's rolled back on, keep playing. So we didn't actually stop play, knowing that he's rolled back on. It's the old Phil Foden trick, isn't it? Which, which is fine. And, and lo and behold, when he realised we weren't stopping, he did get up miraculously, didn't need the, the, the sponge and bucket. So it was good. Um, but again, we, we have got, have we got the powers here? We have, I mean, we, we've got, we've got our cards that, you know, when you, when we talk about simulation, um, not diving, there's a word for it within the laws of the game simulation. So, um, yeah, we, we've got the powers, but I think there's going to be a time where we need to set the, we set the standard. And if you do book someone, um, for it, then you, you're going to have to continue doing it. Cause once you've done it, done, so, done it once, you, you're then under pressure to do it. And I think that's where referees seem to try to find a way where they go, okay, it was a slight touch. It was football contact, as I, as I call it, um, and I just allow it to continue. But I think, yeah, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it and make sure you continue to do it as well. And Libby, it's, I mean, it's one thing we've mentioned a lot, Kalichi, with uh, the women's game in particular and, and you know, the stupid uh, she fell over chant that I heard a few times down at Armadale. I think it's fair to say anyone that's watched women's football and men's football, everyone in this room will know if someone's flopping around, rolling around, holding their face in a men's game, you're never really that concerned, are you? If it's in a women's game, you think something's got to have happened. You, you, you don't see it. So this is where I think uh, in women's football, if someone's hurt, you know they're hurt. It's interesting because they don't, you don't seem to see them go. And how much easier does that make the referee's uh, job? Much easier. And that's why you know that this is, this is a serious incident or there's something wrong because within you know, women's football, you don't say, oh, I haven't anyway. And that's what I was going to ask. Libby, what, what's, yeah. what's your experience? Um, obviously, you've, you've refereed a bit of men's football as well, yep. but um, a lot of women's football too. There is a big difference there, isn't there? Yeah. It must be a lot easier as a referee to go down and referee a women's game knowing that, yeah, if someone goes down, usually it's the opposition player apologising and helping them back yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, there are, yeah, the fact that I can only think of genuinely one or two times out of like... Um, dozens of women's games I've done like proves the point more than anything it's really really rare so far hopefully it stays that way and then obviously as your career progresses you will probably will be refereeing more men's football uh so it is something you will need to think about but whether you call it diving or simulation uh play acting or uh feigning an injury whatever you want to call it have you got any ideas? Can you solve the scourge of... And, and you know, we can send this through to FIFA. They, we could go right from the top. Any any ways we can stamp it out of the game? Well, I remember um, at the end of last year when I did my Level 2 upgrade course, they really focused on, um, like, stamping out simulation, and that's what a lot of the focus of the course was on. So I think they are trying to make a change for it. But it's like, as Alex said, it's about being consistent. And once you find the level that isn't acceptable, um, calling it every single time, and hopefully that leads to the change. 
Tommy? And it shouldn't be a thing, really, should it? But repu- reputation with simulation and with things like that does have to come into some sort of mental consideration in the back of your head, don't you? If you have come across a player throughout the season who is who is prone to doing that or has done that on a number of occasions, it obviously shouldn't be a factor in the way that you, you're refereeing uh, decisions are made, but you just can't help but have that mental... I'm, no, yeah, it's, it's I'm not having nature. that. Frank Lampard was trying to say the same thing. He was saying, like, no, it's just the incident. That's ridiculous. He's been penalised for something before. It's like, well, of course, he was. if you're diving around every time you come near the ball, if Richarlison's doing the same thing, any time anyone comes near you to, to touch you, you're flopping down onto the ground, it must, as a referee, they go in, they go down, you're thinking, geez, it's him again. Yeah, it does, it 100%, play, it has 100%. To. And for me, having done so many games and you get used to certain players, um, you know when and how it's done as well and, and you do it does it makes it harder especially if it's a if it's a penalty or free kick in, in a dangerous area um it, it does come into your back of your mind is, is he done it again um and it does make it more di- it actually makes it difficult because then you don't know has he really been fouled or is he you know has he just you know made it made more of a meal out of it um so you do you do take that into consideration i, I honestly it's the it, like i said before more so than the simulation but the uh the, the play acting, the play acting with injuries. When if you've seen, and we've all seen it in football games, where a player gets a a finger, a touch on the face, and they drop to the ground and they don't get up and they roll around holding their face, I I just vote for that being a an instant fine, like they do in the AFL, like they do in the uh, NBA with flopping and with diving in the footy. You just could start finding these players for doing it. Why can't we do that? I think I think the thing that annoys, uh, or annoys me the most, is that often that's time that doesn't get put back into the game. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. so never so, gets put so back. often you may have a three minute stoppage for something that happens, um, and then a minute is only sort of factored into the the regulation time at the end. So I, I suppose to the referees, how, how much does that sort of thing come into your factoring when you're trying to work out how much additional time you are going to play? Is there is there a, a sort of way that you sort of lay it out or not? Well, again, I don't have too much experience with this in the women's game, but I've been reading that FIFA are looking at potentially making 100-minute games for the World Cup and stopping the time every single time the ball goes out of play, and that would cut down a lot. I saw with the Champions League games a few weeks ago, there was only about um, like half an hour of the 45 minutes of the last half of the Man U game played and stuff like that. So it is an issue, um, whether that's simulation or other issues of time-wasting. Um, there's, yeah... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Football is so uh, stuck in its roots. Like, there's no people don't want to mess with the traditions of football. To me, the I mean, it is it is one of the very few sports played at a top level where you don't know when the game's going to end. It doesn't have a timer. Um, I've I've been sort of told uh, people bring up rugby when you have this conversation, but rugby does have the the time when the game's over. It's just the next time the ball goes into touch. I'm sure the same thing could be done with football. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it would completely eradicate time wasting because you couldn't do it. And then you, like you said, you just have shorter halves, um, and, and stop the clock, but it's, it's just not something I, I think it would be perfect for the game, but it's not something that will get any legs because no one will vote for it because it's got to be the 90th minute. It's, there's got to be stoppage time winners. People don't want the game to change. So yeah, it just seems like, uh, that is, um, that is just something we're going to have to live with. Just start finding them, though. I just want to start finding people. Uh, Kalich is telling us we've got two minutes left. So, uh, Tommy, any fears yet at Leeds? Um, Burnley's two wins over the past week have certainly made things a little squeakier. I was relatively confident a week or so ago, having had a, a bit of a better run of form in recent times and picking up some important wins, most notably against uh, Wolves and, and Norwich, which were quite late on. Um, massive game tonight against Crystal Palace, which will obviously be played by the time this podcast is probably up, so there's probably not too much point talking about it. Oh, well, tell us what the um, score was. 2-1 uh, leads. But um, the... <laughs> <laughs> I, ho- I really hope that's right. How did he know? How did he know? Uh, we just inserted that in. Um, but, yeah, we, that game is super important tonight because the next three games after that are Manchester City, uh, Arsenal and Chelsea. And mm. with Burnley coming into a little bit of form, having sacked Dyche... Uh, Everton still have that game in hand as well, even though they're not playing well. So 
winning that game would, I think, make it eight points with Everton having a game in hand, and I'd feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about Everton. The only team they've managed to beat is United in the last few months. So Who hasn't? Not, not yeah. gone great guns. Now, Kalichi uh, wants to put out the big prediction that you guys are going to get something against Manchester City. I don't know whether that's uh, his uh, heart uh, trumping his head there. Uh, but you never know. You've, uh, you've given the top teams trouble before in those games, so it might not just be all down to Palace tonight. The, on, the only thing that I think is a little bit of an unknown is that we've not really played one of the top six time, uh, the traditional top six sides since Marsh has come in as manager. So previously when Bielsa mm. was in charge, um, it was quite haphazard and, and, and wasn't open it? and a bit gung-ho. I think we lost 7-0 to City. There was a couple of heavy defeats to Liverpool. Even Manchester United somehow toweled us up. I think it was 5-1 earlier in the season as well. So... Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Marsh approaches the games against Manchester City, Chelsea and um, and Arsenal. But the reality is, is any points in those games are bonus points and it's ultimately probably going to come down to Brighton and Brentford as the last two games of the season for us. Well, yeah, well, luckily for you and, and happily for Kalichi and I, it's very likely that you could finish behind Burnley and still stay up. Uh, considering that the the Blues now occupy that 18th spot. I'll take 17th right now, Sean. <laughs> write, write me a ticket. I'll sign on the dotted line. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else around the world of football? Maybe next week we might have to get into this Barcelona uh, revival and all of a sudden capitulation. That seems like the new manager bounce might have worn off there. I actually wanted to ask Libby about this. The 90,000 fans that we saw. They had um, another one, a, didn't they? Again, yeah. yeah. Ha, ha, it must be something that really sort of, I suppose, warms your heart as a, as a female in the game as well to see such a, a, a massive following turn up at the new camp yeah more than one occasion as well yeah what more than one occasion in a very short space of time it's it's about time um we were talking in the break that um glory only had one home game here the glory um a-league women's team and that had a better atmosphere than some of the glory men's games that i've been to this season um i'm sure tommy can agree with that one um so yeah it's about time for sure yeah i think it just goes to show we've been saying for a long time if you build it they will come the the product is there uh, the the games that I mean we've we've watched a few cracking uh, games here in just in Perth but yeah seeing these uh, top top level women's games getting 90, 93,000 plus uh, two Champions League games in a row that is uh, absolutely phenomenal um, but yeah their uh, their their women's team doing a lot better than their men's at the moment which is uh, what I was intimating at with the uh, with the shabby looking like it just completely turned them around and then them wheels just starting to fall off and Real Madrid running away with the league. Uh, we'll uh, maybe touch on that next week. Is there anything else from around the world of uh, football that anyone else wants to say? I think Rangers beat Celtic in a semi-final last weekend or something, if yeah. anyone cares. Yeah, it was a good game. It was. It was a really good atmosphere. The atmosphere at that one was incredible. It's hard to it's hard to remember what's happened because it's been two been weeks, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking, is this have we already talked about this or not? Because no, no. we already, I think, did talk about a Celtic Rangers game that happened the week before, but not the one that happened last Semi-final, week. Semi-final, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. I'm as confused as all of you. Uh, if there's nothing else that anyone wants to throw in, I'll say uh, goodbye to you, Producer Kalichi. Goodbye to you, Tommy. Cheerio. Goodbye, Libby. Thank you, family. And goodbye, Alex. Good night, mate. And goodbye from me. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. bye, bye, bye.